Welcome to the C3 Eastern Suburbs podcast. We're glad to have you tune in today and hope this message blesses you. If you'd like to visit, we meet in Glen Innes, Auckland on Sundays at 10am. You can also find us on www.c3easternsuburbs.org.nz. Enjoy the message. Come on, we need to see the glory of God. Who's hungry to see the presence and the glory of God? Give the musicians a hand. Come on, God. Um, sometimes, you know, you find yourself, and I find myself, you find yourself running on empty sometimes, right? You know that little... Uh, that little orange light on your fuel gauge in your car would kind of flash out at you, or if you've got a fancy car, it beeps at you, and you, you, you think, oh, man, how come that thing keeps coming on? And you keep filling the thing up, and it keeps just getting down to that place and costs you an arm and a leg to even park in the petrol station these days. And uh, But you know those times where you're just going, oh, man, how did that end up in that place? I remember one time Priscilla and myself, we were living in London, and we'd done a sneaky uh, weekend up into Ireland, and we put the ferry across in the car, and we had rented a car. So you need, problem with when you rent a car, you know, if it's your own car, you kind of know when you can get what you can get away with. Rental car, you have no idea how the petrol goes. And so we had this little car, and we had to get back uh, back to London for work, whatever. And um, so we caught the ferry up, the night ferry, and then we're going to drive through, getting back to getting back to London. And you get there, and the orange light is on. And you go, no, that's all right, don't worry, we'll just stop at the petrol station, fill up, it should be sweet. No petrol station is open at this time of the night. It's, you know, it's in, what, 97, 98, I don't know. Back in the day, back in the old days. Back in the 90s, where things were closed, there were no 24-hour petrol stations. And you're driving through these crazy places before the, before the times of you know GPS, nav, phones. phones, and everything like that. You don't know where you're going. You're in a foreign country. You're kind of like, and, and you can just see the petrol gauge is orange and orange. And then you start to kind of panic, right? Or pray. So panic, pray. It's the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, God help us. Speaking of tongues, because we we were out, we were gone, and, and there was just no petrol stations. You like these. Driving and driving and driving and driving. And we, I don't know, we kind of thought afterwards, it must have been a God thing because we must have driven for a whole hour, hour and a half with the thing just shining at, at, at your face going, this thing is just going to die any second now. But we made it, hallelujah. I've had other times when we haven't made it. <laughs> but that was one of the times we made it. And, and, but in life we can be like that, right? We could, we could just run in on empty. Going, man, hoping that we're going to get through somehow that we're going to just make it through that situation. And you always go, why the heck didn't you just fill up earlier? You know, on those ones, I don't know why. But we can tend to live life like that, and I think we can live our spiritual lives like that as well. That we go and just going through, trying to get through. Oh, I'll be sweet. I'll get through. It'll be okay. And we can live in that place where you just run on the edge. But wouldn't it be brilliant if we lived filled up, right? Or wouldn't it be brilliant if we lived with overflow? Like more than enough, that we not just have enough for ourselves, but that we filled with the Spirit of God. So that not enough just for ourselves, not just get by Holy Spirit faith, but an overflow, spill over of the presence and the power of God. And my uh, title this morning is Filled. And what I want to preach to you guys on this morning is how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And on this 
series which we've been doing on the glory of God. I know we're kind of preaching. I loved last week's communion. It's so good. Last week did a great job. And this thing of the presence of God and the glory of God. And we've talked about tongues. And we've talked about prophecy. We've talked about these different things. But then, me being thick, I suddenly realized that we haven't actually ever preached on actually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is where it starts. That we'd be filled with the Spirit of God. And my other realisation was that in our church, we've got people coming in from all different places, different backgrounds, different churches, from no churches, from wherever, and we've never actually properly just sat down and gone through, how does this thing work? How do we actually be filled with the Spirit of God? How do we get refilled with the Spirit of God? So I thought, let me just preach on it and talk about it. And, you know, because sometimes we can have this idea that, you know, we spoke in tongues, you know, at a camp, you know, 20 years ago. Well, we had some spiritual encounter, you know, back in the day where God turned up. But who wants spiritual encounters? Yeah. Come on, new stories. Yeah. New yeah. stories of the presence of God. See, in the Old Testament, the glory of God filled the temple, right? Yeah. New Testament, the glory of God fills us. Yeah. We're, the, we're the living temples, right? Yeah. So we've got to get filled with the glory of God. That we, If we want a spirit-filled church, we need to get spirit-filled, right? Yeah. That we get filled with the spirit Otherwise, Christianity can just become just religious. It becomes a, you know, a philosophy, a way of life, a set of rules to live by. Who needs another set of rules to live by? We don't need that. We need the Spirit and the presence of God. And Christianity, it's a, it's a supernatural thing, and we need the supernatural power of God. And I don't treat this, not treat this just as an optional extra for the, you know, for the special people, for the religious people or the supernatural people. No, no, no. We, we need the Spirit of God, the power of God. So I'm going to try and explain this to you and try and help your fears, reservations, and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I want you to just be open and ready to the presence of God. And whether you're new to the stuff, whether it's old, or sure, I, I just believe this one, we need a refill. I know I need a refill. The presence of God to be fill us. And not just run on empty and just run on empty. I hope I make it through. Come on goodness of God would be upon us. So uh, we're going to start, I'm going to skip the Old Testament, we're going to go to John the Baptist in uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 40 and, and he gets filled with the Holy Spirit from birth so that's pretty cool, that's easy for him and he's this crazy guy locusts, honey, out in the wilderness and he said this, speaking of Jesus in Luke 3 verse 16, he says that I baptise you with water so here's John the Baptist, he's baptising people with water but one more powerful than I will come the thongs of his sandals I'm not worthy to untie he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Come on. And then a few verses later, Jesus turns up to get water baptized. So verse 22, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. Great declaration. Goodness of God. And he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, verse 1, just a few verses later, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. And this is when, kind of when, the, when the miracles started happening. You know, 30 years Jesus was on the planet, but it wasn't until he was water baptized that his ministry, the power of God flowed through him. And then if we go to jump to Acts chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, he says to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. And this thing of waiting, who likes waiting? Nobody's in the way. But wait for the gift my father promises, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Power will come upon you. Who needs some more power? Come on. We need, we need the power of God. We need not just operate just powerless. We need more power. We need to ramp this thing up. Get some nitrous oxide in your car. Jesus often talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he said it would come. And then we have the day of Pentecost. 40 days, they wait for 40 days and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's kind of like three lots of people who, uh, who received the Holy Spirit at this time. There was those who were actively seeking, right? And they're going, come on. We're waiting. 40 days, we're waiting. He said he's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's do this. And that happens at the first day of Pentecost. And they were receptive to it. So Luke Acts 18, verse 14 to 17 says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, but they had been simply baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received in the Holy Spirit. They had hands on them and they received. So they're open to receive. And, and clearly something kind of crazy kind of dynamic was going on. So there's these people who were longing, waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there were some other people who were kind of like less receptive to it. They're kind of like anti like Saul, who became the Apostle Paul later on. And, and we first meet Saul, kind of he's, he's the persecuting guy. He's against this thing. So Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, was, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that he might find any there that belonged to the way where the man or woman he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Okay, he's anti-guy, right? He's anti the people, the way was just like the name for the new Christians at that time. And uh, he was hostile as, and then something incredible happens on the road to Damascus. He's cruising down the road to Damascus and he encounters Jesus, the risen Jesus. And <coughs> Jesus appears to him and he's blinded. Verse 17 says this, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled. Again, this thing of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. He becomes filled. And, and he totally transformed a few days Verses later in verse 19, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples of Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. This absolute transformation from someone who's totally anti trying to kill the Christians to someone who's totally into it. Another group, a third group of people we've got here are the people who are simply uninformed. Okay? This category of people, Acts 19, verse 2 to 6. Paul found some disciples and asked them, Do did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, right? And there's a bunch of people around there. I've never even heard about this stuff. We haven't even been taught this stuff. We haven't even heard about it. And, you know, maybe being baptized as a kid or maybe being confirmed, maybe churchgoers, but they say, hey, we've never really kind of understood this whole thing. Again, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here we go. So we've got some who were longing, some who were receptive, some who were hostile, and some who were just uninformed. 
Another passage in Acts chapter 10 is this group of Gentiles, the Gentiles being the people who are not the Jewish people, Acts 10, 44. And uh, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So they thought, hey, this God stuff, this Holy Spirit stuff, is only, only for the Jewish people. Then suddenly, amazing circumstances which God kind of works out, the Holy Spirit falls on Gentiles. It's, this is for everyone. It's not just for a special class of people or anything like that. He ends up preaching about Jesus and about what happened. So what did they experience, okay? What happens when you get filled with this Holy Spirit? What do you experience? Let me talk to you about that. First thing they experienced was, was the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we know that something remarkable must have happened because here Paul, he's, well, Peter rather, was in the middle of a sermon and he stopped preaching. Right? Let's be honest. Preachers don't stop preaching. Unless something remarkable is happening at that point. All right? Usually they just carry on. So Peter had to stop because the Holy Spirit interrupted his sermon. I know you're you wishing that would happen right now. <laughs> and we don't really know exactly what they experienced, but because when the Holy Spirit comes, it's kind of like different for everyone. And I was away the other week and had Steve and Marion and Doug to preach, but different experiences around the Holy Spirit. Some people experience, you know, the... I was going to say wham, bam, thank you, bam, but that's probably not the right, the right way to say the, the power and the glory and the presence of God and smackdowns. Other people, it's just like a warm feeling of the love and the presence of God. Other people don't sense anything, but they find knowledge comes to their heads. Well, well, different things happen. It's different for everyone. But what they experienced back on the day of Pentecost was obviously it was an incredibly powerful thing for them. And the language that they actually used to describe it is like a heavy tropical rainstorm, right? This outpouring, this downpouring. In other words, the, the power of the Holy Spirit was totally like flooding their animal's beings. They were filled. And when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God. And there were physical manifestations on the day of Pentecost. There's this kind of like this crazy strong wind which blew through the place. And it's kind of this word ruach, which means the breath of God, the spirit of God, the life-giving breath of God breathing through you. And it's, you know, often when I'm praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit, just breathe and let the breath of God fill you, be filled with the spirit of God. It's like kind of being blown up by a balloon. There's a balloon with the breath of God fills you, and it's kind of as, it's as physical as that. Very often, there's this kind of like, like amazing sense of the peace. Of God. Sometimes people start shaking. Okay? Why does that happen? Sometimes people even fall over. Crazy. You might think that's kind of like, that's weird. And you see that? Why does people fall over? Because they can't stand up. With the presence of God, God comes. Sometimes it's just like the best. It's not like, I think of it kind of like an operating table. You just lie down and have a good rest and let just God work on you for a minute. And totally anti. Or push anyone over or apply pressure or anything like that. But if you allow just the presence of God just to fill you, and that overwhelming just sense of goodness and glory of God, just go with it. Allow Him. Allow Him to meet with you. There's something that resembled fire on the day of Pentecost. These little tongues of fire on their heads. And, and often people talk about uh, experience heat, like a physical heat, you know, going through their, their bodies. 
And on off of Philae, it's like a, a tingling or a prison, you know. It's just this, this, this warmth of the goodness of God going through you. And, and again, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you need to feel all these things or experience all these things, but kind of the reason I mention it because sometimes people uh, experience them, and if you don't mention them, well, was that the Holy Spirit or not? Or what was happening? Or uh, I don't really know what was going on at that point. But I want you to know that this is kind of perfectly biblical and just enjoy the presence of God on whatever level or whatever manifestation kind of happens for you. And to be honest, I'm not too worried about what happens or how it works. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that you can the Spirit of God, the presence of God. It would be that, that meaning place. Some people experience powerful physical manifestations. Others don't, and that's okay. God meets with us just where we're at with the whole thing. The second thing, so they, they had this, the power of God, the power and the presence of God. The other thing which I've forgotten here, that they, they were released in praise, okay? Acts 10 verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and, and praising God. And kind of, you know, and I was feeling it this morning, thanks. Okay? There's this thing which rises up with me where the Spirit of God comes into the place. Let's come on, let's worship, let's honour God, let's lift our hands, let's lift our voice, let's actually worship God. That's part of being spirit-filled. And spontaneous presence is the language of those who are thrilled and excited about something or someone all around the world. You know, you get excited about, about stuff like, you know, the Warriors ever winning or, or something like that. Winning the cricket or something, I don't know. We can get excited and jump around. Would it be okay to get excited in church occasionally? Occasionally, okay, don't, 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 don't get too radical or anything like that. But come on, in, in our worship, it's okay to actually shout and lift our hands and rejoice and praise God yeah. and speak. And, come on, you know, we don't just want a quiet church. You do that. Come on. Surely, if God exists, He's worthy of our worship and our praise. And just getting a little bit passionate. A little bit passionate. Okay? Getting a little bit emotional. Raising our hands. The people in antiquity, in the, in the old days, they prayed with their hands in the air. Okay? In First Timothy, it talks about lifting up holy hands in prayer. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes people do that. It's actually the traditional form of prayer. To lift hands. And you go, oh, that's weird. Come on. This is strange. This praise. This worship. The Spirit of God comes. Let's be passionate worshippers. Let's be committed to be passionate in our worship, right? I want us as a church to, 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 to not just go through the motions, but we'd be passionate how we, how we worship. So they, they experienced the Spirit, they were released in praise, and the third thing was that they received a new language. Well, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So you go, oh man, what's this all about? Speaking in tongues. Okay? And the account of Ephesus in Acts 19, again, it says, they received the gift of tongues. And the word tongues simply means, it's a, it's a language that has not been learnt. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, that it could be uh, an earthly, a human language, or it could be a heavenly, angelic language. And sometimes we've found that people have received the gift of speaking in other language, other than a human language. And I've come across this a, a, a number of times. And we, again, when we were in London, at this church, Kensington Temple in the heart of London, and there's like 110 different nationalities. And there was a few instances where people would just be worshipping God, singing in your prayer language, and a person from another nation would be standing next to them and go, 
Hang on a minute, you're, you're speaking my language. And praising God and, and worshiping. It's, it's, it's actual real language. It's not just gobbledygook, just made up stuff. You're speaking tongues of angels, tongues of humans. Um, I had um, another friend that I was talking to who, who was praying for a Maori lady. And he's praying for her and just feeling like that's just not getting anywhere. And um, so he started to, to pray for her in tongues. And suddenly she's like, and she started to cry. And afterwards, she said, you began to pray in fluent Maori. And also, it was like a, uh, like a royal dialect, which you kind of tapped into somehow. And the presence of God, these are languages. These are languages you can pray. Don't underestimate the power of praying in tongues around this whole thing. Does a Christian need to speak in tongues? The answer is no, okay? You don't have to. You're a Christian whether you speak in tongues or not. You don't get to heaven. Don't worry about that, okay? It's not what makes you a Christian. But I personally believe it's a brilliant gift, and we should use it, right? I believe that anyone who wants to speak in tongues can speak in tongues. It's good desire. And sometimes people struggle with it and take time to get there. But I believe you can. In the New Testament, it's kind of referred to as like, like the beginner's gift. And it's kind of like the most obvious and of the supernatural gifts that we re- receive. And it, t- it kind of takes time to develop some of the other gifts. But the tongues thing is kind of as weird as it gets, right? It is weird. Let's just be honest with that. It's, just, it's kind of weird. It's praying in tongues, speaking godly good. What the heck are these people doing? And to our logical minds, it is weird. But it's also amazing. Okay? And it's also fits in with what the Bible talks about. So, in 1 Corinthians 40 says, Paul, he writes this, For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to people, but to God. For God is it's speaking to God. So it's prayer. And it says that those who speak in a tongue edify themselves. So to edify, to build up. The other week we talked about prophecy, that when we prophesy, it's for encouragement, edification, and comfort. So that you're speaking over someone and prophesying over. With speaking in tongues, you're edifying yourself, right? So you're building yourself up. You're refilling the tank. And so often we're, we're sitting there waiting, oh, I just wish someone would prophesy over me. You know, I wish they would get that word from God for me. But how about if we edify ourselves by speaking in tongues. How about if we begin to find that place in spoken tongues and build ourselves up and be refilled with the breath of God? You know, when I find, when, when I begin to pray in tongues, you know, so often when I'm praying for people, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what the heck. And you don't know what to pray. And so I'll, I'll often just start to quietly just pray in tongues. And then often there will come an interpretation and you begin to say, oh no, that's the thing I need to be praying for. I need to pray down that line or the scripture will come to mind or something like that. And it's almost like the interpretation of the tongue which you're praying, which comes at that point. And there's this power which comes through as we're speaking in tongues. We need that. Paul goes on to say that it transcends the limits of human language. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Okay? So it's this kind of you're praying and your mind up because you don't know what you're praying around, do you? You just put it out there. You're and it also means that the mind is not having to go through the process of formulating those requests and expressions into sentences. This is simply the sense of your heart speaking direct to God. That's what I love about this. It's this direct connection with your spirit to the spirit of God and that connection. So it helps us more pray 
more freely. It helps us to pray for others. A uh, little story of Jackie Plunger, who was an amazing woman. We were dealing with the uh, drug addicts and um, gangs and prostitutes in Hong Kong. And she wrote about how there was this crazy transformation in her ministry as she began to use this gift. So she says, by the clock, I prayed 15 minutes a day in the language of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, and I felt nothing as I asked the Spirit to help me intercede for those she wanted to reach. It was interesting, no? It wasn't a feeling, it was something that she chose to do, and it wasn't some trance that she fell into. It was simply a decision to pray. After about six weeks of this, I began to lead people to Jesus without trying. Gang members fell on their knees, sobbing in the streets, women were healed, heroin addicts were miraculously set free, and I knew it all had nothing to do with me. See, there's power. I don't know. I don't understand fully the things of God, but I do know that God has given us power. And so often we don't tap into it. And we need to tap into it. There are cautions around you know, using the gift in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul addresses the problem of excessive public use of the gift. And uh, basically he says, I, in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak tongues more than all of you. But he's going, look, I'm into this, right? And, and then he says, um, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 in a tongue. So why is he saying this? He's saying, well, well what was happening in the days? They got pretty excited about speaking in tongues in the New Testament church. They go, well, we're into this. And so when they came together in their church meetings, what would happen? They'd just, the pastor or whoever would just get up and just speak in tongues for the whole time. And uh, they thought, hang on, that's not really that helpful. Nobody understands, has a clue what you're doing. So uh, when you're in church, don't just stand up and speak in tongues and just do that. That's, that's not helpful. He's saying, stop that. And no one understands what you're saying. It's, it's private. So in that. And if there isn't a word in tongues in church, it, it needs an interpretation. And someone would interpret that or around that. So in your home and in your own go for it. Use this gift. Speak in tongues. Have try and beat Paul, who speaks in tongues more than anyone else. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Okay? Let's bring this baby home. As with anything with God, ask. Invite. Baptism receiving is just welcoming. The Holy Spirit come. It's like when you invite someone to your house. Come in, open the door. Let's do this, invite them in. And, and it's up to you. The, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He will never force his way in. He never forces his way in. It's gentle, it's, it's, it's open. And then cooperate. Often comes by laying on of hands. If you see, as those scriptures we read through before, you lay in hands, and the presence of God came. He received the gift as an impartation. What does that mean? It's just like handing on a gift, it's passing on something. Simply start to praise God. Speaking different things. Come. A few different things here. Fears which stop people receiving. First thing is doubt. This is God or what? You know, we have those things which go through our heads. And, and Jesus actually addresses this in the context of prayer in Luke 11, 9 to 11. He says, he says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You need not doubt, right? Say, so, hey, if you, you ask to seek or not, you will receive. He says it over and over again. Go on. You will receive. The door will be opened. You say, oh, okay, I'm convinced I'm going to receive, but I'm not sure what I'm going to receive, right? 
Am I going to have an awful experience? Is it going to get wacky? Is it going to go weird for me? And Jesus goes on. He deals with this. He says, which of you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, you'll give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, you'll give them a scorpion? No, no human father's going to do that, right? You know, you want to give good stuff to your kids. And then he says, if you then, if you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Come on. We've got to have more faith in God's ability to bless us than the devil's ability to deceive us, right? So hands up, who wants to be deceived, right? <laughs> who wants to be ripped off? Who wants to be, you know? No, no, no. We've got to believe that God's going to give us the good stuff. He's a good God. Because, you know, with the first thought, and this is this is always, whenever you start speaking in tongues, it's the first thought always coming to you, this is ridiculous, I'm making this up, this is not really good. That, that always will come into your back of your head. So you've got to get, you've got to get past that kind of thought and keep going. And often it's like one or two words at first. You know like when uh, like your kid speaks first, it's like dad, dad, my mom, cat. Whatever <laughs> comes out, I don't know. And, and you might think, oh, it's just, it's just a couple of words, or it's just, it's, but it comes a flow as you keep going. And just keep going, keep stepping into it. Uh, second thing here, fear of being out of control. I might do something dumb or embarrass myself, right? You ever had those feelings? And you feel like you don't want to be making anything up, or you don't want to hype it. You don't want to be manipulated or pushed, right? You don't want your body to be possessed and suddenly speaking in tongues and you can't stop. And it all goes crazy. You go, oh my goodness, what's going on? Let me tell you, you are in control of your body, okay? You must open your mouth. God's not going to make your mouth move. You know, just, just stand with your mouth shut. You're not going to suddenly start speaking in tongues. Yes, you have to start to speak. Move your mouth. Begin. And don't speak in English because you can't speak two languages at once, right? So just... There we go. You have control over your tongue. He won't control you. Uh, third thing here is this doesn't make sense. If I can't logically understand it, count me out. Okay? Here we have the, the brains which go, I've got, to logic, I've got to understand this thing fully. Maybe with God and with the supernatural stuff, you're not going to fully understand it. Maybe we're dealing with a totally different realm here. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 15 it says, the natural mind doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God. What we're dealing with here is this supernatural, it's crazy, it's out of the realms of the normal. And, and do we need to understand everything? I don't think so. Last thing here is inadequacy. Many people come with this one. Look, if you really knew what I was actually like inside, you wouldn't believe that God would give you this Holy Spirit. And we all feel like that, you know, to an extent. We all feel like, deep down, we're, we're unworthy of the goodness of God, that he would even meet with us. See, but the good news is that God gives, not because of our worthiness, not because we've deserved it, not because we've done enough hours in church, not because we've served them faithfully, or any of those reasons. It's, it's a free gift. And that's what I love about Christianity. It's a free gift of the goodness of God because he loves us and he wants to fill us. 
God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So, shall we ask? Maybe we have the band back up. Let's ask him. Let me just finish with a story. I was just thinking about, in, in 2 Kings 5, about Naaman the leper. And it's kind of connected, but not really connected. But here, here's Naaman, who's this commander, and he's got leprosy. And Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, tells him, go and dip in the, in the river, the Jordan River, seven times. And, and he goes down seven times. First time, nothing happens. Second time, nothing happens. Third time, nothing happens. Seventh time, he comes up. Totally healed, totally clean. And he was like, man, why do I need to do that? And some of us think, well, do I need to do this? Or you're going to say, man, I've done it four or five times and nothing's happened. Do I need to go again? Or would it be easier if I just did it at home? Or why in the Jordan dirty old Jordan River? Do I need to come forward? Do I need to... Why do I need to do this? Can I just encourage you? You know, we've got to ask you to do something simple. You know, I, I reckon if, if the man of God would ask you to ask him to do something crazy like climb a mountain and kill a bear or something like that, yeah, right, I'm into it, let's do this. It's just simple, no, it's just bathe in the river. And I want us to do just something simple this morning. We just come and bathe in the presence of God and allow His presence to fill us. Then we'd learn to soak. And so today, just waiting in the presence of God is, is, a, is a strange thing, but it's kind of like it's like a battery charging. You need to recharge a battery overnight. Just put it on. Just, sometimes it takes time to get filled again. See that little gauge just be on you. Just slowly, just fill up again. Get filled. Get filled. Some people they see, see something, you know. Church, sometimes people just wake up in the middle of the night and find themselves speaking in tongues. I heard that a bunch of times. Driving in the car the next day, or that, that flow that just comes. If God asked you something hard to do something hard, would you do it? So all in, in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. We're going to be slightly sexist and give you two illustrations. For girls, it's like scented candles, oil candles. You know, and you're, You've got those little candles and pour oil out. You need fresh oil. If you don't put fresh oil on it, it just burns low. And then you start burning the wick. And you start to burn out. You just fresh oil. Fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. Illustration for the guys that being totally sexist. It's like putting your car in for a service. <laughs> if you don't change the oil every six months or, you know, You say, oh, man, I don't need do this, I don't need do this, I'm sweet. No, 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 it's like that little red oil light in your car is just flickering. And I'll be fine, I'll get through. But no, I won't. The thing will seize. The girls who drive with the red light on, it just seize. It's okay, don't drive with the oil light on. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. She does. <laughs> Causes me great. Come on, we need an oil change. If you haven't had an oil change for over six months, maybe you're due. If you haven't stood on hold for over six months, maybe you're due. You need fresh oil. You need fresh oil. So why don't we just stand? Well, we're thinking this morning, this 
I'm going to do a sneaky old thing. Because I was thinking about this thing and I thought, you know, invite people forward and I know three or four of you will come forward and that'll be a game. But going on in our church, I don't want to believe this is just for the three or four people. I want to pray for everybody. Then we're going to flip this thing. That we're going to pray for everybody. Just, just going to be gentle. I'm not going to force anything on anybody. But I just feel that God wants to refill people this morning. So what I want you to just, just, let me just push the chairs back and just gather around the front. And I'm going to give you an opt-out. If you don't want to get prayed for this morning, Pour in oil and wine. Holy Spirit, come. 